When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Did you know that Black and White Sports is the largest independently owned conservative sports brand in the world? We have over 125,000 subscribers on YouTube and over 39 million views. Our episodes get more views than most ESPN programming every single day. And now we have exploded on podcast. We brought our episodes to podcast for you to enjoy at work, school, in the car, on the beach, wherever you choose to consume our audio. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Radio Public, Spotify, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Breaker. Subscribe now. Friends, let's face it. The future of America is looking worse each day. Those who are observant have the feeling that something really bad is going to happen soon. If it does, are you prepared? Do you have enough food, water, and other essentials to get you through tough times? If not, check out My Patriot Supply. They're the nation's number one preparedness company, and they've served millions of American families. Right now, you can save 25% off their popular four-week emergency food kit, which will keep you well-fed with four weeks worth of breakfast, lunch, dinner, drinks, and snacks. Totaling over 2,000 calories a day. This food stays fresh for up to 25 years in proper storage, so it will be there when you need it. In fact, you may need it a lot sooner than that. So don't wait. Go to preparewithblackandwhite.com and claim your four-week emergency food kit. You'll save 25% if you act now. That's preparewithblackandwhite.com. Don't wait. Do it today. Let's talk about today's sponsor, Javi Coffee. Javi Coffee is the way I love to start off my morning. I work very, very hard for you guys to put out the best content possible. And I get my energy from Javi Coffee. Would you like to have that same energy that I have every single morning? Well, you should try Javi Coffee. And for you guys, you can actually get three bottles of Javi Coffee for only $16.95 per unit. Each bottle contains 30 servings. It will save you so much money from going to your local coffee shop. And by the way, folks, it actually tastes even better. You can use sugar. You can use monk fruit. I'm a low carb person. I don't like the carbs. This is keto friendly. And guys, it is super easy to make. Just put water in your cup. Add one teaspoon or two teaspoons of Javi coffee. Mix it up, use whipped cream, sugar, mop fruit, whatever. And folks, it tastes absolutely amazing. So check out the link in the description or the pinned comment and get Javi Coffee delivered to you today. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. All right, Black and White Live fans, we need to talk about Patriots head coach Bill Belichick again, because the other day he seemed to ruffle some feathers of the higher ups in the NFL about his comments about vaccinated versus unvaccinated players and spreading the virus. The NFL apparently did not like his comments, so the chief medical officer for the NFL came out and basically said Bill Belichick is wrong. He is absolutely wrong. The virus is mainly being transmitted by unvaccinated players. However, he did say that some vaccinated players were actually spreading the virus, actually caught the virus, I should actually say. Now, Bill Belichick has actually come out and clarified his comments. And so let's go ahead. Let's dive into this. Bill Belichick addresses recent vaccine comments as a team. We're better off. If everyone is vaccinated now, I don't know if he what he actually means by that. Is he saying that if every 
player gets the jab, that will increase their availability in case, you know, that you do get the virus, then yes, I completely 100% agree because the rule is if you got the jab, you would only have to miss five days, i.e. look at the situation with uh, Zach Martin of the Dallas Cowboys. He will only be out for five days. However, he does need to test negative. And actually, Jerry Jones came on uh, first take today and said that there's a possibility that Zach Martin could actually play on Thursday. But however, if you don't get the jab, you're going to be out for 10 days. No ifs, ands, buts. You need to quarantine no matter what, whether you uh, still a positive or not. 10 days. But let's go ahead. Let's move on here. It says New England Patriots head coach Bill Belichick got himself into some hot water last week for comments he made about the COVID-19 vaccine. But now he's trying to right the ship. Belichick's original comments came during a media session on Wednesday when he was asked if quarterback Cam Newton was cut from the team because he chose to remain unvaccinated. Belichick gave an unequivocal no to that and then went further downplaying the usefulness of the vaccine. And as a refresher, this is what he said. Belichick said, quote, your impl- implication that the vaccination solves every problem has not been substantiated. The number of players and coaches and staff members who have been infected with COVID after being vaccinated is still a pretty high number. I wouldn't lose sight of that. And that's when the NFL came out, brought out their chief medical officer and said, no, Bill Belichick is 100 percent absolutely wrong. But now Bill Belichick actually comes out and he clarifies his comments here. Bill Belichick says this, and this is from uh, Michael Gennardi here on uh, Twitter. Bill Belichick also opens press conference looking to clarify his vaccination comments from last week. And he actually says this, quote, my comment relative to the vaccinations is that is that's a, an individual decision for each person to make as a team. We're better off if everyone is vaccinated. And that being said, even if everyone is vaccinated, that doesn't solve all our problems. As we've seen multiple players, assistant coaches, head coaches throughout the league have tested positive for COVID even after they have been vaccinated. It is still incumbent upon us to be vigilant in our daily hygiene and decision making for the health and safety of each of us individually and our team. We'll continue to follow lead protocols as we always do, but that's not a factor in any player's release or non-release. So you see Belichick has clarified that, but he's still saying essentially the same thing. The jab is not an end-all, be-all. You can get the jab and still test positive, and you can still miss games. Not as many games, or I should say not as much practice, you know, because if you test positive on a uh, Sunday and you got the jab, you can actually still play the next week. But however, if you don't have the jab and you test positive on a Sunday, you're probably going to miss the next Sunday's game. Actually not. You will miss the next Sunday game because you need the quarantine for 10 days. But he's still sticking to his guns here. He's still essentially saying the same thing that just because you got the jab doesn't mean anything. You can still spread the virus. You still need to uh, watch what you do. Now, folks, something inside of me is just telling me this. Okay, Is that we know that the NFL, there's no way football players can social distance from each other. I mean, these players are practicing against each other. And if somebody gets the virus, you know, they could be spreading it inside the facility, uh, especially in practice, you know, when there's contact with other other players. I mean, this is just theory, you know, I'm willing to bet that every single player on every single NFL team has probably been exposed to the virus. Not necessarily saying that they have uh, tested positive, you know, but everybody, I believe, coaches, everybody. They've been exposed because all these players, all these coaches, they're always around each other. They just are. And Bill Belichick, is, he's right about this. He's, he's saying this is not an end all be all. It's not going to solve all the problems. The only difference he said was 
he changed his tune was there that about the high number of uh, vaccinated players spreading the virus. That's the only thing he changed. But he's still saying, essentially, it's not an end all be all. But that's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this black and white live fans? Let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure you subscribe to Black and White Live, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. All right, black and white sports fans, let's go back to the world of tennis and the U.S. Open on the ATP Tour. We know that world number three, Naomi Osaka, flamed out in the third round to Layla Fernandez of Canada. And Naomi Osaka was very un-Naomi Osaka-like as she actually lost to Layla Fernandez, who is actually in the quarterfinals now. She's on a good little run here. We have to see where where it actually goes with her. But what we do know about Naomi Osaka, she tried to play the victim card yet again. Now, she's on her best surface, hard courts, and she flamed out. Her mind is not in the right place. And I believe, folks, honestly, that Naomi Osaka is probably done winning slams. I mean, she is just crying all the time. So emotional when you get like that, it shows how mentally weak you are. And when you become mentally weak, you're not going to perform at the highest level anymore. But however, it seems like the media is definitely giving her a pass for the most part. I mean, only us are pretty much, you know, calling out Naomi Osaka for playing the victim once again. You saw what happened when um, a person in the media asked her just a simple question. She started crying. And then that uh, that particular media person, he was a guy, he's a white guy at that. He was slammed for asking her a fair question. Now, during that match against uh, Layla Fernandez, Naomi Osaka was slamming a racket, throwing a racket around, hit a ball in the stands. And actually, folks, if you watch the clip, Naomi Osaka got booed by the crowd. She did. But now we actually have somebody coming out and slamming, doubling down on what he said about Naomi Osaka earlier this summer. I'm talking about Pierce Morgan, the man is not the one to, you know, pat pat her on the back and say, hey, everything is OK. He's calling out the BS just like we're calling out the BS. Now, earlier this summer, Piers Morgan called Naomi Osaka a spoiled brat for her actions at the French Open, you know, refusing to speak to the media. And then we know after that she took time off to supposedly work on the mental health. But she was out there doing photo shoots and stuff, uh, swimsuit um uh, issues for um, Sports Illustrated, that kind of thing. And then she came back to the Olympics, flamed out there, and then came back for the U.S. Open, and now has flamed out yet again. It seems like her run may be over. Now, let's go over here to Sky News Australia here. And Pierce Morgan doubles down on his earlier comments about Naomi Osaka. It says that spoiled brat Pierce Morgan slams Naomi Osaka following U.S. Open defeat as she drops bombshell announcement about future and she is out of the tournament for the foreseeable future. Maybe she's actually going to go out there and do more media stuff, even though she doesn't want to speak to the media, but she'll use the media for her benefit. She's done before. She'll probably end up doing it again. So let's go ahead. Let's read this here, guys. British media personality Pierce Morgan has slammed Naomi Osaka after her shock exit from the U.S. Open. Osaka lost 5-7-7-6-6-4 to teenager Leila Fernandez in the third round of the U.S. Open and was openly upset about the loss in her post-match press conference, claiming she would be taking a break from the game. Now, is Naomi Osaka going to do this every single time she loses? I mean, I'm starting to see a little bit of a trend here. When she gets very, very emotional, she runs to, my mental health is not right. So I'm going to leave. I'm going to run away. I'm going to quit, essentially. And you know what? The media seems to be given uh, a pass to these athletes that seem to want to do this. You know, we saw the same thing happen in the Olympics. Uh, athletes 
who didn't perform well, started using a mental health excuse. But it goes on. It says the Japanese star also smashed a racket on the court on the ground several times during the match, after which Morgan took to Twitter to launch his attack. He said this. And you can actually see the tweet here. He says people got very upset when I suggested Naomi Osaka may be a spoiled brat. Here she is repeatedly smashing her rackets as she loses in the U.S. Open. Then she cried again and threatened to quit again. If a male tennis player behave, behave like this, we call him a spoiled brat. Now, to be fair here, he isn't just picking on Naomi Osaka. Novak Djokovic d- did something similar also, and Pierce Morgan also slammed him as well. But you know what? Nobody makes a big deal when the media slams male athletes. They don't. But when you go after a female athlete, especially, you know, a non-white female athlete, then it's going to be a problem. They're going to call you a misogynist. They're going to call you a racist, et cetera, et cetera. Now, if you guys want to talk about another sport here, I'm out. I'm right here in Houston. James Harden was with the Rockets for many years. And James Harden was getting slammed by the media for his playoff performances, you know, flaming out in the playoffs. I remember when the Rockets lost to San Antonio without Kawhi Leonard and James Harden got uh, blocked by an old Manu Ginobili. The media roasted him, roasted him. And nobody was saying James Harden shouldn't be getting this kind of criticism. They slammed him. But when it comes to Naomi Osaka, you see there's a different narrative here. You cannot touch her because she's fragile. I'm not going to give any athlete a pass on any of this especially when they play the victim. Now, to James Harden's defense, he wasn't playing the victim. He lost. He took it. You know, he moved on. This is ridiculous, folks. But he also says this. Pierce Morgan, quote, are high profile women of color exempt from criticism regardless of their conduct? Sorry, I must have missed that woke memo Morgan wrote in June. Now, after the match, an emotional Osaka told the media she would be taking a hiatus from the game. I honestly don't know when I'm going to play my next tennis match. I think I'm going to take a break from playing for a while. The 23 year old told reporters earlier in the year, Osaka withdrew from Wimbledon and Roland Garros citing depression and anxiety while also taking issue with certain questions from the media. And these questions were fair questions. They weren't even tough questions. I mean, if you listen to the interviews, She's been getting nothing but softball questions. It goes on. It says there has been no comment about Osaka's future on our social media platforms with no sign of a return date or tournament. World number one and Australian tennis ace Ash Barbie was knocked out of the U.S. Open in the third round by unseated American Shelby Rogers. So there you have it, guys. Pierce Morgan doubles down that Naomi Osaka is a spoiled brat. And I believe she's acting this way is because the media is allowing this every time. Now there's a press conference. She wants to cry. And then the moderator has to step in and try to end the press conference, trying to protect her. I mean, this has gotten so ridiculous, folks. Naomi Osaka, she goes out there on the court. She gets a butt kick and then she wants to cry yet again. The media needs to stop this. They need to stop, you know. Patting her on the back saying, oh, everything's going to be okay. Uh, I know you're a victim and all this. Other stuff. She's not a victim. She's not a victim. She's just mentally weak. That's just the way it is. And stop enabling these athletes like this. You don't give the same pass to male athletes. You absolutely do not. I already told you about James Harden. Novak Djokovic doesn't get a pass when he when he adds some like a baby on the court. I mean, athletes do this, you know, both male and females. But now you can't criticize the females without being called names. So Pierce Morgan, he's right. He's doubled down. She's a spoiled brat. And this is all media enabled here. But that's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white sports fans. Let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure you subscribe to Black and White Sports. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into 
Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. All right, Black and White Sports fans. Today, Monday on Labor Day, was the new era of ESPN's first take. Dallas Cowboys Hall of Famer Michael Irvin made his debut on the show with Stephen A. Smith. And guys, I must admit, this is the first time I actually watched first take since Skip Bayless actually left. Actually, really since uh, Matt Kellerman started being on the show, I watched it for a little bit. But Matt's was so horrible. He was so woke and he was playing politics all the time. It just turned me off and I never watch ESPN's first take again. But however, Stephen A. Smith has now kicked Matt's Kellerman off the show. And the playmaker, my favorite wide receiver of all time, also Rhodes' favorite favorite wide receiver, made his debut. And guys, I must admit, it was pretty entertaining. The playmaker and Stephen A. Smith. Now, actually, I must admit, guys, I actually forgot about it for the first 30 minutes. And I missed the first segment. But then after that, I watched it. They talked about Tom Brady. Jerry Jones came on. Uh, Jerry Jones actually said there's a possibility that... um, that uh, Zach Martin could actually play this Thursday, even though he's been listed as out. That's another story probably for the live channel. But however, it seems like I'm not the only one to notice that the show was better without Matt's. So let's dive into this, guys. Sports Media World reacts to Michael Irvin's debut. Now, one thing we know about the playmaker, he's going to be entertaining. He is. Now, I've never seen him. Or heard him say anything woke before in the past. If I'm mistaken, you know, let me know. But when it comes to television, Michael Irvin brings that same kind of fire that Stephen A. Smith does. Matt Kellerman, not so much. A drastic improvement, at least on the first episode here. And unfortunately, you know, Michael Irvin is only going to be on there on Mondays. So Mondays may be the only entertaining part of first take throughout the whole entire week. We have to see how Tim Tebow does on Friday, but that's going to be guest hosts uh, rotating out the rest of the show. So it says here, the Michael Irvin era on ESPN's first take is officially underway. Irvin, the former Dallas Cowboys star, is one of several new co-hosts on ESPN's morning debate show. The Pro Football Hall of Famer will be going up against Stephen A. Smith every Monday morning throughout the football season. Tim Tebow will be the co-host on Friday's. During the middle of the week, ESPN will have a rotating crew of a bunch of other people here. Uh, Kendrick Perkins, oh my goodness. I digress. Monday morning, Irvin made his official first take debut. This is not the first time he's appeared on the show, but it is the start of a new era here. And Stephen A. Smith even tweeted out, The new era with at Michael Irvin 88 begins today. So there you see him and the playmaker there. That's an old uh, clip from from, I believe, a couple of years ago when uh, Michael Irvin was actually uh, a guest on the show. And it says here, unsurprisingly, Smith and Irvin have provided a lot of entertainment. And let's dive into some of uh, what the people on Twitter and the media actually had to say about Michael Irvin's debut. Here it says, First take with Stephen A. Smith and Michael Irvin is a performance art. It was. And guys, they they stuck strictly to sports. I didn't really hear anything political. And then at that, like I said, I missed the first segment. So I could be mistaken about a few things as well. Uh, Ashley Nicole Moss says the combination of Stephen A. Smith and Michael Irvin reminds me of every time my dad and uncle got together and started talking about sports. And you know how that works. They just go Battle to battle, arguing nonstop, back and forth, you know. Uh, they didn't get as hot on the uh, the Brady uh, topic as I thought they would because they were actually talking about um, who is the goat of goats, whether it's Tom Brady, whether it's uh, Michael Jordan. Stephen A. Smith went, went with um, Michael Jordan. He actually made some good points f- as to why Michael Jordan's the goat. And Michael Irvin made very good points as to why Tom Brady was the goat. And this my, my guy right here, Jason Whitlock, He really nailed it right here. He really nailed it. He said this incredible opening performance by Michael Irvin and Stephen A. Smith. This is a monumental improvement in entertainment value. And what is the only difference, folks? 
There is no Mats Kellerman. None. Now, Jason Whitlock actually said on his show last week that uh, him and Mats are actually friends, but he sees all the race baiting over there. And he believes that Mats Kellerman was saying what he was saying to pretty much apologize for a bunch of things to do with white people and black people that he had nothing to do with. And he's probably right on the money with this because Mats Kellerman was just not good on the show. All the race baiting. I mean, I was a ESPN loyalist back in the day. I would never miss anything. And then ESPN just went down the woke hole and just started turning me off. And they did. But this was a great debut by Michael Irvin. I don't know who's going to be on the show um, tomorrow. I really don't. But. The middle of the week can actually be pretty rough. I mean, when you have like a Kendrick Perkins or something like that, that's going to be a bit turn off to me. But the playmaker, I'm probably going to watch the show on Mondays to see what Stephen A. Smith and Michael Irvin have to say, especially when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys right there. So that should be entertaining. But a good first episode. I'm pretty sure this is just my um, opinion on it, that. The rest of the episodes for the rest of the week is not going to be as good as this one right here. I believe that the must watch first take show will be on Mondays with the playmaker and with uh, Stephen A. Smith. The other people doing the middle of the week. Uh, I don't know about that, but um, even Jason Whitlock seems to believe that. Um, let me go back here. He actually believes that the rest of the show could actually be uh, pretty good, too, because he says, the lineup they just announced for the rest of the week is pretty amazing. ESPN is committed to making Stephen A. Smith the Howard Cosell of this era. And first take is what PTI used to be, the destination show. Stephen A. Smith and Dave Roberts ain't playing. Hashtag hat tip. So our boy Jason Whitlock tips his hat to ESPN for a good show so far. But that's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white sports fans, did you actually catch the Michael Irvin debut on ESPN First Take? It was good. It, it was good. I must admit it was good. I'm, a, I'm still a little weary about the rest of the week without the playmaker on there, but it was a good first show. Anyway, guys, let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure you subscribe to Black and White Sports, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. I'm back. Rodriance for Black and White Sports. We're going to talk about... Dennis Rodman, as we know, Dennis is a Dennis is a basketball legend. Now I'm going to tell you, I'm actually a Dennis Rodman fan. Okay, uh, mainly because of the way Dennis played. Dennis was absolutely hardcore, and I'm going to tell you, I've got a different take on some of the craziness that Dennis Rodman has done out there. We've got to remember that when it comes to Dennis Rodman, he was essentially the same player that he was with the Bulls as he was with the Pistons. But what happened? He launched what became one of the greatest marketing transformations we have ever seen in our lives. We knew who Dennis Rodman was. We had watched him play, but he turned himself into a worldwide phenomenon. And frankly, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. How many millions upon millions of extra dollars did Dennis Rodman earn himself by turning himself into a marketing crazy machine out there? I mean, for crying out loud, he was in a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie when Jean-Claude Van Damme movies were still going to the theater. A basketball player, a power forward a very damn good role player on a NBA team was earning movie opportunities, for crying out loud, hanging out with Madonna. 
And there was paparazzi tracking Dennis Rodman all over the place. It was a great move by Dennis Rodman to transform himself. He made a lot of extra money. That's a capitalist, if you ask me. Bulls legend Dennis Rodman explains why he doesn't watch the NBA. Dennis has absolutely trashed the NBA. And he trashed it for one of the reasons I have been talking about for a long time. The NBA has, was on a decline even before they got into the business of social justice. And it was because of the style of play the NBA had embraced. Legendary basketball player Dennis Rodman was a star on the court for the Detroit Pistons and Chicago Bulls. During his playing days in the 90s, however, the five-time NBA champion isn't much of a fan of the league that helped him gain his fame. During Rodman's era, the NBA was known for toughness. That's right. During a recent interview on the Full Send podcast, Rodman says the league is hard to watch because of how much it's changed. Bravo. I could not agree more. Quote, I don't know. It's just a very hard watch because... Once you've played the game, the way we played it, intensity, just competitiveness, Rodman said via Clutch Sports, but now it's more like, you know, I don't want to watch players coming down and shooting 50-footers. Absolutely. You know, that's not basketball. Golden State Warriors guard Steph Curry and other three-point shooters have transformed the league that was built on physicality in the paint into a new era where teams now live and die by three-pointers. I absolutely hate it, and so does Dennis Rodman. Rodman, who was a key figure in Michael Jordan's documentary, The Last Dance, added that the NBA is, quote, difficult to watch, but a lot of kids love it. It's because they don't know any better. They don't know the NBA that we know and that we came up with. During Rodman's final season with the Bulls in 97-98, Chicago attempted 11.73 pointers a game. To put that in context, Steph Curry attempted 12.73s per game just by himself, hitting 42% of them from beyond the arc. I'm telling you guys, the NBA is a hard watch now. It was long before Black Lives Matter showed up on the court. It had turned into a very tough watch. Why? I mean, let's just take a team like the Houston Rockets when James Harden was involved. They made me want to pick my eyeballs out with a spoon. Okay? I don't want to watch a team throw up 43-pointers. I do not. There was a time when the three-point shot was something special. Okay, it was an ancillary, very important piece of the game that a lot of times, what, gave us how many clutch moments? I mean, Reggie Miller from the corner shooting a three to tie game, win the game. You guys know what I'm talking about. The three-pointer has lost all of its attractiveness. The other thing is the complete devaluing of the center and all the game close to the basket, inside the basket. All the physicality is gone out of the NBA. It is. When we came up in the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s, you could see an NHL brawl break out during an NBA game. Why? Because it was nothing but knees and elbows in the paint. Rodman, Lambeer, Charles Barkley, Carl Malone, I mean, all the great centers and all of these players have been devalued. I don't want to see a seven-foot two player throw up a three-point shot. I don't ever want to see it. And I love the fact that Dennis Rodman went out there and just said, look, Adam Silver, your game is crap now, okay? I can't stand to watch it because this is not what NBA basketball was supposed to be, and this is what it has evolved into. And it's even worse, this is the game that kids are learning now, and they're they're not learning to play the, the game on the inside anymore. They're dribbling down the the dribbling down the uh, court, playing iso ball and throwing up a three. It's awful. It's an awful watch now, in my opinion. And it's so good to see somebody like Dem Dennis Rodney come out and slam the NBA for the for the fact that it's 
not got any physicality, and the game is crap. Okay? So, that's good. That's good. And again, I actually don't hate on Dennis Rodman like a lot of people. I think he purposely launched one of the greatest marketing ploys of all time. I mean, dyeing his hair, putting in the nose rings, all the earrings. And next thing you know, Rodman became a a global icon. People don't realize Entertainment Tonight was following Dennis Rodman around every day. Every day. Like he was this otherworldly superstar when if you just remember, he was just a really damn good player with the Pistons. Well, he was the same really good damn player with the Bulls, but he was a global icon all of a sudden. It was brilliant. I truly believe it. Uh, I never did hate on him for that. A lot of people couldn't stand him over it. I was like, this guy knows exactly what he's doing. I bet behind closed doors he's the same guy he ever was. Before he goes out, he threw on a wedding dress and made millions and millions of more dollars. I've got no issues with that. He knew what he was doing. Peace. I'm out. Till next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. All right, black and white sports fans, we must talk about the victimhood card yet again on the ATP tour. Naomi Osaka always playing the victim when it comes to the media, doesn't want to speak to the media, cries in interviews because she feels like she's being harassed, I guess you can say, mentally weak. Sloan Stevens, 2017 champion at the U.S. Open. Same thing. Talking about how she was triggered by all of these, uh, Bad messages she got on Instagram. And now, folks, we have another player on the ATP tour that wants to play the victim card again because she lost at the U.S. Open. But unlike Sloan Stevens and Naomi Osaka, this player right here isn't really that good. I mean, Sloan Stevens actually won the U.S. Open and Naomi Osaka won this tournament two times. They were actually good. On this on this surface at this tournament and good players overall. But Shelby Rogers, the person we're talking about now. She lost at the U.S. Open, and I'm pretty sure that nobody cared. Nobody cared because nobody really knows her because she's not very good. But let's dive into this, guys. Shelby Rogers speaks out on social media harassment, says she anticipates death threats after U.S. Open loss. Unreal. So let's check this out. After her disappointing U.S. Open defeat at the hands of Great Britain's Emma Raducanu, Raducanu, hope I'm pronouncing the name correct, in straight sets, Shelby Rogers said she's she's now going to have to deal with, quote, nine million death threats on her social media accounts from strangers who are unhappy with her loss. Talking about the spotlight she has been under after her massive third round win against World number one, Ashley Barbie. Congratulations to her. But still, nobody was anticipating uh, Shelby Rogers to do much of anything. So she beats the number one tennis player in the world. Newsflash. A lot of a lot of players have actually beat number one tennis players and that aren't ranked very high. OK. But Rogers says she wished social media didn't exist. Well, if you wish it didn't exist, why don't you just get off social media? It's a simple solution, folks. If you don't want the backlash, if you don't like social media, get off social media. She says this, quote, obviously, we appreciate the spotlight in these moments. But then you have today and I'm going to have nine million death threats and whatnot. She said at a post-match news conference is very much polarizing one extreme to another very quickly. Roger said that while she doesn't like social media, it's a bit part of marketing right now, and she has to post certain things. Okay, you see that? She wants to use social media to build her brand, make money, but she doesn't want the backlash that's associated with social media. You see what's wrong with this picture here? She goes on, quote, you probably go through my profile right now, 
I'm probably a big fat pig and words that I can't say right now. Roger said, but it is what it is. You try not to take it to heart. And it's the unfortunate side of any sport and what we do. Okay. She says she didn't want to pay attention to comments from people posting about her from their parents' basement, but it, quote, does not get, it does get to your head sometimes. Well, get off social media. Get off social media. If you're going to let, let this bother you, if you want to play the Sloan Stevens victim card or the Naomi Osaka uh, victim card, get off social media. It's just that simple. But no, none of them want to do that. They want to use social media to their benefit. Quote, social media can't control what I'm doing and the way my training is going to go, going to go moving forward. But I wish it didn't exist. It's really tough. Former U.S. Open champion Sloan Stevens also opened up, opened up about receiving abusive and harassing messages on Instagram after a third round loss against Angelique Kerber, calling it exhausting and never ending. Now, folks, did anybody really anticipate Shelby Rogers winning this tournament? No, because check this out, guys. Shelby Rogers, a career 260 and 214 record. She is a little above average. That's it. And the people that usually win Grand Slams, usually their winning percentage is over 80 percent on the low end, I would say. And also, you know, a 260 and 214 record, that's pathetic for somebody that's supposed to be upper tier. But she has never been that. OK, she's ranked number 43 in the world. She has never made it past the quarterfinals of any tournament of any Grand Slam, I should say. Now, dating back to 2010, 11 years, she's won a grand total of four titles, four. And three of those came in one season in 2013. That's pretty much it. But Shelby Rogers wants to play the victim card because she lost at the U.S. Open. This is absolutely pathetic, guys. This is really, really pathetic. She's not very good. She's not on the level of. Naomi Osaka, and she she actually is ranked higher now than uh, Sloan Stevens, but she has never achieved the greatness that Sloan Stevens has actually achieved. I mean, this woman has never been in a finals of a Grand Slam tournament, but now she wants to play the victim card. This is a bad precedent that's being set out there. Naomi Osaka started this. Sloan Stevens is jumping on the bandwagon, and now Shelby Rogers is jumping on the bandwagon as well. I don't know what else to say about this, guys. This is a bad, bad trend. These athletes are just mentally weak, mentally weak. And Shelby Rogers is 28 years old. She's been on tournaments since 2010 and nobody has really known her. Nobody has. I mean, let's be honest, folks. Outside of the Williams sisters, American tennis has not been very good. It hasn't been very good in quite a while. I mean, you probably have to go back to uh, Lindsay Davenport outside of the Williams sisters uh, on the men's side. You haven't had a male win a, uh, a Grand Slam tournament since Andy Roddick. And Andy Roddick really wasn't a great tennis player. I mean, the last great American tennis player was um, Pete Sampras and Andre Agassi. And both of those guys have been retired for almost 20 years. But that's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white sports fans. Let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure you subscribe to Black and White Sports. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. I'm back. Rodriguez for Black and White Sports. Well, we're going to talk about people getting triggered over Clay Travis and Herschel Walker being on a pregame show the other day as part of Clay Travis's big noon kickoff tour that he's doing. Around the country, I believe he was at the Georgia-Clemson game. 
Well, we know Herschel Walker used to play for the Georgia Bulldogs, which seems pretty valid to have Herschel Walker on with Clay Travis. And look, personally speaking, I think if Clay Travis doesn't ask Herschel Walker about his Senate run, that's pretty irresponsible journalism, if you ask me. Well, of course, Clay Travis had him on there. And what happened? It triggered everybody. Now think about the fact that what we put up with from the mainstream media involving sports, a constant bombardment of leftist lunatics, one right after another, dragging politics at every angle and corner possible, continuously in our face, and the one time, the one time that somebody decides to have somebody on that happens to be a conservative and they ask him, now we got to be calling Clay Travis a hypocrite because he thinks we think they're dragging politics into it. Well, let me just keep it real. At some point, maybe we start fighting fire with fire. How about that? Um, let's just be real, right? We, we are subject to everything that they want to throw at us all the time. And if you ask me, they're playing... I mean, they're playing his alumni, for crying out loud. And yeah, it's a big story that Herschel is running for the Senate. Well, in Georgia. Let's take a look at this, because AwfulAnnouncing.com uh, put together a little thing where everybody is so butthurt because Herschel Walker was on with Clay Travis. Clay Travis' interview with Herschel Walker during Big Noon Kickoff draws criticism. Well, of course it does. Because uh, for once, something in the media didn't lean your direction. Quote, most sports fans watch sports to escape politics, said Clay Travis on Twitter in April 2021. I've always said it's bad business to alienate any consumers with politics when your business is designed to appeal to everyone. Travis, whose conservative-minded outkick was bought by Fox earlier this year, has made a career out of pushing back against perceived liberal political agendas in sports. There's no perceived to it. See, that's where you lose me with that one little word, perceived. There's nothing confusing. There is a liberal political agenda in sports. That's not even a question. That's not, not something we have to think about. It's continuous. It's every day. It's every day from every sports show we see out there in the mainstream. On many occasions, the outspoken radio and television commentator has blasted networks like ESPN for showcasing political content or allowing its talents to espouse beliefs that veer to one side of the political spectrum over the other. On Saturday, during Big Noon Kickoff, Fox aired an interview conducted by Travis with former college football and NFL star Herschel Walker, who is currently running for the U.S. Senate uh, as a Republican in Georgia. The interview was part of Travis's work as a special correspondent for both Big Noon Kickoff and Fox and Friends on Fox News. There were segments of the interview that would be pretty normal to see, and they discussed Reggie Bush's uh, Heisman Trophy and whether or not Reggie should get it back. I think he should get it back. Clay Travis thinks he should get it back. But the interview also touched on some very political points. Oh, an awful announcing because... It didn't lean your direction. You decided you've got to get butt hurt. Not to mention the fact that interviewing a candidate currently running for the U.S. Senate is a political act in and of itself. So because Herschel Walker is alumni to the University of Georgia, where they were there covering the game, they're not supposed to talk to Herschel? Are you kidding me? Naturally, quite a few people on social media couldn't help but know the sense of hypocrisy with the whole thing. Here we go. Clay Travis, keep politics out of sports. There's a picture. Yeah. Uh, there's Herschel Walker. This guy says, I'm old enough to remember when Clay Travis told EXPN not to mix politics and sports. Wait, so you're telling me Clay is nothing more than a blowhard MAGA hypocrite? Huh. Who would have thought? Oh, here we go. Clay Travis regularly bitches about how sports have become too political, yet here he is today doing this. And he's going right back to complaining and acting like this moment with Walker never happened. Noting the hypocrisy wasn't just limited to Travis, but also to Fox and Fox Sports as well, considering the ESPN has been slammed in recent years for far less overt than this. Are you kidding me? You've got to be kidding me. It's been nothing but blatant from ESPN for years. Woke Center? I mean, literally, come on. 
Fox News merging with Fox Sports was probably inevitable. In retrospect, every year that this didn't happen, we were on borrowed time. Quote, stick to sports is and always was bullshit. But if this is a sign of what's to come from Fox and Big Noon Kickoff, we might be entering a whole new phase altogether of sports and politics merging. Okay. So we're triggered, in other words, because for once, somebody had somebody on from the other side of the coin. I mean, every day. Every day, undisputed, Shannon Sharp, ultra-woke, ultra-liberal. Colin Cowherd's went ultra-woke, ultra-liberal. Bill Simmons is ultra-woke, ultra-liberal. Come on. That's all we're subjected to. Dan Lebitard, everybody. But Clay Travis, for one time, decides to have on a Georgia alum. And they have a conversation about football, by the way. And yeah, he did ask him about about the, uh, uh, the Georgia Senate thing. And this guy's got a problem that they had Herschel Walker on, period, because he's running. Stop it. Stop it. That's all we see all the time. It's all we're bombarded with. And at some point, yeah, it wouldn't hurt to see somebody from the other side of the coin. I get Clay Travis says, hey, keep your politics, blah, blah, blah. But there's also shady journalism if Clay doesn't come out and blatantly ask about him running as a candidate. He has to ask about that. That's responsible. You know what the mainstream media does? They don't ask those kind of questions. They don't ask the right kind of questions, that's for sure. I can't believe this. Of course, they get to bitch when one time somebody from the right-leaning side of the aisle goes on an actual mainstream sports show like Fox Sports and they actually touch on something that might be conservative-leaning and all you have to get triggered? Please, shut up. Shut up. I mean, my God, this entire channel was created specifically because of you bums. Stop it. I mean, my God, we've got to check your asses on a daily basis around here? I mean, on a daily basis. We hardly ever have anybody in the mainstream actually have somebody conservative on to talk to them, and they still stuck to sports most of the time, and you losers get triggered? Stop it. Oh, tell me what you think, black and white sports fans. This kind of crap drives me crazy. And you know what? At some point, we do have to start start fighting fire with fire. If they want to have their politics in it, fine. We'll bring ours into it. And let's have a good old hootin' nanny up in this bitch. Peace. I'm out. Till next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports.